Hi there, everybody, and welcome to the Sunday edition of This Is Ibrooks. Apologies for for the delay there. I can't even use the fact that I was listening to the um, to the intros as an excuse for this one. But uh, thanks to everybody for for sticking with us um, today. I'm joined by Dave and Shug. How are you doing today, Dave? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Good. Um, hands feel a bit empty. Nothing to do, but other than that, <laughs> hi, fine. And uh, I'm all about yourself, Shug. Yep, I'm uh, slowly getting over jet lag and getting back into British time, but yeah, hopefully be back to normal tomorrow and just in time for the real football starting again. That's it. It's, it's at least um, at least you would have had a, a nice game to watch uh, yesterday to to get you back into the swing of things. But look, we've got loads to talk about on on today's show. Um, can't believe it that we do have an actual game to discuss. Feels like it's been yonks since since Rangers have have, have played. Um, albeit it was only a friendly against Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, we're going to discuss some of the, the post-match comments with the, with a the young team and, and the manager seeming to go out and, and, and doing all those duties. Um, I want to talk about potential winners and losers possibly within within the Beal system. We've got a few names, I'll, I'll chuck them at you and I'm sure everybody in the comments can, can get involved in it as well. Um, uh, and yeah, and talk about some of the moves we could possibly make in the January transfer window. But um, Shaga, I, I didn't perhaps prep you on this one, but but I know um, I'll come to you on this first um, because it's not every day Rangers win a cup. Um, of course, the, the women's team won the Sky Sports Cup at, at Tynecastle, beating Hibs 2-0 with two unbelievable goals, um, Lizzie Arnott and, and Kirsty Howitt. Um, I know you're a, a follower of the women's team, Shug. How do you feel that the fact that that's a, a cup that they've got, and and that's Malky Thompson added to his domestic um, trophy that um, that he won last year. Yeah, it's good to see. That's the first cup victory we've had in the women's game, so it was good. Uh, Kirsty Howitt sort of turned the game. I thought when she came on, uh, thought she had a real input in it. And Lizzie Arnott's strike is just something that if it was if it was in the English Premier League, it would be replayed time and time and time again in Sky Sports News. It was an unbelievable strike. But yeah, no, it's a brilliant, brilliant to see us getting that trophy in the cabinet. And now we can yeah. focus on the league before the Scottish Cup starts. Yeah, it's good. And, and hopefully the women's team going from, from strength to strength here. But I said it'd be, it'd be remiss of us not to mention it in a Rangers podcast. It's, it's quality, um, a trophy this early in December. Um, but uh, right, Dave, I, I'll come to you first. I said I know everybody um, watching this, I don't know if they know, but uh, I like doing a wee on this day. And, and on this day, 1994, Rangers sold Duncan Ferguson to Everton after joining from Dundee United for... 4.2 million a year earlier, which is so crazy to me that we are spending like 4.2 million quid in, in like 1994 um, on players from Dundee United. But um, he played 21 games and, and, and he scored five. Um, what was your memories of, of Big Dunk and his time at Rangers? I think just he got it, if that makes any sense. You know, he, he was a proper footballer. None of this kind of namby-pamby stuff that you get these days and he really seemed to get the club and I think even now, you know, he's good things to say about us. So, yeah. Yeah, that's that. Uh, I, I know we had uh, our own uh, Lisa Ross, I can't remember which one it was, was a, was a bit worried when he was linked with the, with the vacant manager's job. <laughs> yeah, um, that's right. But, uh, 
Yeah, and uh, Shug, um, you're on this day in 2001. Rangers appointed Alec McLeish as the club's new manager. Dick Advocat moved upstairs to the, to the director of football role, the, the Ross Wilson role, so to speak. Um, he won two titles, five cups um, in five years. And obviously there was a treble in that as well. But a stat here that really, really stood out to me was he only lost 36 out of 235 games, which... I mean, that must put him up there with, with one of the highest percentage win rates of, of Rangers managers. Yeah, he came in at he came in at the time Dick Advocate, I'm sure, moved upstairs to be our first director of football. Judge him against Rose Wilson as she wished. <laughs> yeah. uh, but he came in when it's things started sort of stagnating under Dick Advocate and what a turnaround. Uh, it was not a big fanfare, it wasn't like whoopie do, we've got the biggest, greatest manager ever. Uh, but Celtic were sort of starting to take something that I hadn't been used to in my life. I think Celtic were two in a row, and that was the worry setting in, in my lifetime. Rangers had been within nine in a row, and then Celtic won one, and then we won it twice again. So I think they just put an end to that without even having to spend big money. And I think towards the end he was hampered by the fact that he wasn't allowed to spend. <laughs> but it's uh, he's he can be very proud of what he achieved with us and uh, with Treble and Helicopter Sunday will never ever ever be forgotten. Neither will the the filming game either, yeah, when they lay down to us. Yeah, that, <laughs> that fateful day. So yeah, two great title victories under Alex McLeish. That was uh, really subtle that you got that in there, Shug. <laughs> yeah. It's curious to hear the lay down to us. Well, come on, it was trying right. the hardest. Right. Exactly. It had, it had to be done, didn't it? It's, um, oh, my. It's brought great memories for us for us all that day, especially against Dunfermline. But, um, look, uh, we'll, we'll crack on to, to the game um, yesterday. I said, I'll come to you first in this, Dave. I said, I'm, I am very, very, very well aware that it was a friendly, and Michael Beale did caveat it with he knows that Leverkusen weren't going full pelt, but it wouldn't be Rangers if there wasn't something to discuss and, and get into it. But um, fair play to all those that, that went yesterday and, and went out into the cold um, to, to go and welcome the new manager, uh, who described that game as a bit of in the way after his post-match press conference there. Um, but Rangers lined up with McGregor, Tav, King, Sands, Divine at left-back, um, Jack and Kamara sort of sitting in the holding midfield in roles. I was going to say, initially I'd written this down as Cholak up front with Matondo on the right, Kent on the left, and Tillman through the middle, but it seemed to be a bit more uh, Tillman on the right, Kent playing as the sort of central number 10, and Matondo on the left, and, and Cholak up through the middle. Do you think this is a kind of a similar starting to living to what we'll see on, on Thursday, Shug? I think it. Sorry, Dave. Well. <laughs> Um, potentially, potentially. I know you're on some form tonight, eh? But well, it's been one of those nights. It's because it started late, and I didn't know what was going uh, on. Yeah. Not really Geoff Gilter. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, actually, I think Dougie's just kind of nailed it there in the comments where he said a three Roman roles. We saw a lot of this under Gerard, and you know, I think Beal is pretty widely acknowledged having definitely a hand in those tactics, if not the main man. When it came to them, so you know, I fully expect we'll see quite a lot of rotation in the front. Beal himself is an attacking coach. 
was watching mm. a kind of breakdown and he basically splits them into defence, midfield and attackers and he has different coaches working with each section. So Beal himself works with the attackers, he said. I, I'm i not surprised to see it and I think I've, I would imagine the hope will be that they can get Kent back on some kind of form as well. Because if you think about it, that inverted 10 roll, as they called it, was pretty much when we saw the best out of Kent. Mm-hmm. Um, no being a fan of Tillman on the right thus far under Geo, but, you know, obviously different coach working with him, different expectations, not expected to stay out there. Geo was very much a man, you know, my wingers are wingers. I think he said he wanted them touching the white chalk. So, yeah. Um, you know, that was his expectation, whereas for Beal, we want some coming in, that inverted 10, swapping over. So, yeah, I, d- I don't think there was too much surprise to see that fluidity back. Um, and it looked good, I'm not going to lie. I had, you, you said it yourself, it's a friendly, right? We're, we're not going to win the league off the back of beating Leverkusen in a friendly, but it was just something that we could identify with. And I think for a lot of fans, that's probably what had been missing under Geo for the last few months. Yeah, that's it exactly. There's a there's a wee comment um here from from Prime Time and he says, did uh, Cholak actually yeah. get a touch of the ball in the first half? You know, something we'll definitely come on to. I think we're going to come on to the, the potential winners and losers um within Beale's system. But um I feel bad, Shug. I did tease you so I'm keen to get <laughs> your thoughts on, on what you thought the, the starting eleven was like and and are, are you would you be happy, say, if, if Divine lined up at left back, which it looks like he will, um against Hibs on Thursday? Yeah, I mean, how dear Bonner, president of the World Cup over us, should be straight on the plane back rather than sitting on the bench and we're looking forward to either the third, fourth game or the final. Absolute disgrace. But, yeah, no, I I can see that same 11 being the 11 that go out on Thursday night. I know he's mentioned Goldson and Davies coming back, but they never get any minutes in, so they can't be that close. If they were close or they'd been training, then they would have been on the bench. I was surprised that Davies' injuries actually lasted as long as it did. Yeah. Uh, I thought his knock and missing the St. Martin game was literally just another weak job or something like that. But no, it's obviously been something more serious this time. Uh, but ho- hopefully, for about the hundredth time in the last two years with Rangel, this will be the end of an injury problem. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's. It's, and you can see the Beal impact immediately in that he likes his strikers narrow. He's attacking players narrow, giving that with to James Tavernier. Maybe not so much Divine. Uh, don't expect him to bomb forward uh, as much. But I think when Borner and then Yelmas come back into the game, I think there'll be plenty of room for them going forward. Uh, it was good to see Tav getting two assists as yeah. well. Uh, something that's been missing from his game all season. When we confidently predicting that he would be our top goal contributor, I think it was in pre-season. Thinking yeah. like hundred penalty from VAR and you'll set still up a hundred. But uh, oh yeah, I'm still confident he probably will end up. <laughs> uh, although he did miss that penalty, but if he's going to miss a penalty, let's make it in friendly. Uh, yeah, when they don't matter. So yeah, no, it was good. It was a good run out. Uh, like you said. Beal did say that it was getting in the way. I think he very much was just wants to have the players on the training pitch as long as he can just now. I'm sure he cancelled the Swansea friendly when he came in. 
obviously he's rather get his ideas across. But it's a good start to his tenure and and believe it or not, I'm actually excited to go to Ibrox on Thursday night. It's been a while while since I've been excited to go to a game. Uh, so it's even though it'll probably be about minus twenty by that time. Uh, I'll make sure I wrap up well, but hopefully the football will keep me entertained. That's I think that's one of the big take home messages from yesterday was how entertaining at times the football was. It seemed to be quicker. It was one two touches, and it was a bit more. I'm sure get your bingo cards out because the word fluid will be coming up several times um, on this podcast. But look, Dave, I'll I'll, I'll come to you in in, in the first goal. Um, Fourteen minutes. Um, something Shug alluded to earlier on there. We, we ended up getting to see uh, the first of two to have assists here. Jack um, ends up with the ball in, in the sort of central of the park. He finds Tav out on the right. Um, Tav's about 25 yards out, touching the, 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 the touchline, and he swings on a, a fantastic ball with his with his right foot. It's right, it bounces in, in a dangerous area, and it bounces up just nice for, for Tillman to, to, um, to come in and, and hit it right on the half volley. Is this something that, that Tillman's been missing? Is it the way the system that Gio's been playing? Because for me, I was expecting Tillman to score a lot of goals like this. Um, what was your thoughts on, on the first goal that the Rangers scored in a friendly? Um, so I think first off, it shows us exactly what we've been missing from Tav. Um, before we even get on to Tillman, that kind of ball into the box for the attackers to pick up on. Fair play, they've been flinging balls in the box, but there's never been anybody there to capitalise in the right place. Um, I think the players seemed a lot more assured of the kind of what they were actually meant to be doing, um, yeah. and that you know that that wasn't a hit and hope. That was you, you saw him lift his head, have a look, hit it, and that is something we almost became spoilt with. I would suggest under. Yeah. Gerard and sort of early Geo era because he didn't change too much. Um, you know, a lot of fans getting on Tavernier's case for not doing it, but realistically, a lot of fullbacks don't do that um, yeah. as consistently as he does. And I think there is an element of being spoiled by kind of what we've had before from him. Tillman extremely well taken goal and I don't think that should actually be understated um, yes it did bounce up nicely for him but he still had to get his hip round, get behind it, get it on target yeah. um, I thought it was a cracking goal um, to, to go back to your initial point, yes I thought this would very much be something we'd see off from Tillman I think just in that early stages of the season when everyone went through the we need to sign this guy now phase. Um, I think that's what we were seeing. You know, he was kind of pushing on. He was it's almost like Scotty Arfield making those kind of runs into the box, being in the right place at the right time. Um, it seemed to die off a bit, but that, that was a squad thing, I would suggest, rather than just a Tillman thing. I think there's a lot of players didn't really know kind of where they should be or what they should be doing at various points. Um, I think Beal coming back in can only be good for Tillman. This is a coach that, you know, quite talented youngsters are supposedly keen to work with. Um, I think there was a boy that went to QPR basically for the fact he was going to be coached by Beal. Yeah. So that, that kind of tells you how well regarded he is as a coach. And I think give him a season with Tillman or half a season, I suppose, I think 
a lot of people will be back at the let's get this guy signed stage. So, yeah, really well taken goal. Um, I would say hopefully the sign of things to come, but it did just shortly after, which I'm sure Shug will be speaking about. But, um, yeah, yeah, I think it's good news, and I think Tillman can only benefit from it in the long run. Yeah, I couldn't disagree with you at all there. I think I think that um that he will be a, a, a good player and he will fit right into Beale's way of playing. Um Shug, um we'll come on to you talking about the, the second goal. Um the second of Tav's assist in here. Um it was a an outswinging corner. Um near post uh, was definitely overloaded. King and Cholak sort of ran towards that near post as well. Um but Malik Tillman was was the player that, that found it, found a great wee bit of space in between two of the Leverkusen defenders and he just battered the head header home. Um maybe remiss of of a of a Duncan Ferguson header back in the day, um, just to do a wee throwback there. But um yeah, Harry Watlin seems to possibly be having an effect at, at Rangers already, being being the set piece coach. Uh, how were you, uh, or how did you feel about this goal? Yeah, it's, it's something I can remember. It must have been right at the very start of the season. I know he scored the goal against was it Union when he got the whole Air Tillman stuff. But yeah. there was some, there was at least once he flicked the ball on at the front post the way Joe Arrivo used to, and I, I immediately thought, well, they are. Tillman's a replacement for a rebo at, cons- at corners. And then it just, it never happened. It never, ever happened after that. Uh, so it's good. It, Seppi coaches what we need because we know at Rangers we are going to have loads of corners, loads of free kicks around about the box. It's somewhere we can make great gains from uh, because we don't score enough, nowhere near enough. And yeah, Tillman's shown that he has got that heading ability and some deals in the box that we can aim for because you've always got your couple of centre-halves. Uh, Johnny Lundstrom didn't start yesterday which was a wee bit of a shock uh, but he's another one that brings height to the game so James Sands when he played it. Remember when we were playing Sands, Lundstrom with King and with Davies with like five or six players all over six foot and yeah. we weren't getting any winning any corners and it was like crazy yeah, so hopefully now we've got the set beats coach we'll start scoring more often and yeah I'm looking forward Tillman's Tillman's playing I think he's almost he was hamstrung a little bit by the way don't want to criticise Cholak but Cholak being that nine and staying up front didn't give him that space to get in behind yeah, whereas under Gerard and I'm sure under Beal we've seen Morelos evolve under Gerard, and he started dropping deeper and allowed that space for our field and things at the yeah. time to then push on and get on behind. So yeah. I think that's the kind of player that we're going to see Malik Tillman, especially if he's coming from the deeper when he's almost in that eight position, playing in that eight ten role, he can go on and get in that space behind. Because uh, although I'm sure you're coming to spot our field goal, he missed an absolute <laughs> setter just before that yeah. goal. Uh, hopefully Tillman can get that and then it's interesting to think that was probably where three best chances came from the midfielder making the run beyond the striker so it's a can already identify little bits of Beale's games and tactics and style going forward and it's it's really good and I think it's proven now that the board did the right thing and getting Gio out before and to get Bielin to give them that time to work on things so set pieces are obviously paying off 
already and then not if that is a new tactic to get make sure we're attacking midfielders getting beyond it's paid off already too so yeah, yeah it's exciting stuff yeah no that's it exactly just it was it was interesting and i was out with with uh having a walk with, with craig earlier on today obviously who does this podcast and we were discussing how you know when 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 uh when geo came in I didn't think that the style of football had had actually changed um, that much, if you know what I mean, um, with a minute. But now seeing Beal back and now going back to some very familiar things that we've <laughs> we've seen before, um, it just shows you how how different the, the style actually has changed. But um, look, Dave, I'll, I'll come on to you in this one um, in terms of a, it's just sort of summing up the sort of next wee bit of the game. Um, going on to half time, there was a raft of changes. Um, McLaughlin, Wright, Arfield, Davis, Lundstrom, Fashion Junior, and Morelos all came on, um, and then round about the seventy-minute mark, Fashion Junior came back off. We understood that that was was prearranged before the game. Um, Alex Lowry came on, somebody we've not seen in a wee while as well, um, and, uh, and then Shugs already alluded to it. Round about the eighty-minute mark, uh, Rangers got a penalty, and 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 Tav misses the penalty. There's a wee comment here from from Gaza Legend. I just want to bring it up. Tav, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm guessing you might have seen that. Um, what was your yeah. thoughts on, on this Tav potentially being taken off the penalties, and how good was it to see Lowry back in a Rangers shirt? Um, so I'll tackle Tav first. Not literally, obviously, but. Um, <laughs> Please don't. I, no, I don't think we can afford the injuries. <laughs> can Divine play both at the same time? Yeah. Um, no, it, it's a tough one. Every, I mean, just take the England game with Harry Kane as an example. You know, everyone piles on someone when they miss a penalty. But I see it all the time, and especially about Tav from that mob the other side of the city, and they talk about, you know, oh, he only scores penalties. Well, Penalties a goal, just the same as anyone else. And if anything, it's probably harder because it's higher pressure. You've got the time to sit and think about it. Whereas when you're playing, 9 or 10, it's just instinct. Um, you know, you've got that time. You've got the goalkeeper trying to psych you out. You've got the whole crowd just waiting to go. So I think it's actually quite a hard situation to step up and take a penalty. And I think if you look at Tav, he's had some misses, yeah. But I'd say more often than not, he puts them away. And that's what you need. Now, it's fine saying take Tav off them. Okay, you know, theoretically, anyone can step up and take a penalty. But who do you get? Yeah. You know, are you saying that someone else is never going to miss a penalty? Because I don't believe it for a second. Yeah. So um, I think, you know, we, we can say, you know, someone else might have scored that. And maybe they would. But at the same time, everyone misses a penalty now and again. Nobody has a 100% record. And I think you hit the nail on you, the head when you said, if you're going to do it, do it in a bloody friendly when it doesn't <laughs> count. You know, <laughs> Hopefully that means the next time he takes one, he scores it, and that'll count for us, important somewhere. So I that that side of it, I, I disagree. I think Tav probably is the man to take them, unless someone can show me otherwise. Um, Lowry was just brilliant. Um I don't know what had gone on. I don't pretend to be in the know, but there was obviously some sort of souring of relations between him and Gio towards the end. Mm -hmm. um, some pointed comments were made about his attitude. Looks like Beal's going to give the guy a clean slate, which, you know, <laughs> there we go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. 
don't think he's playing these days, for is he? <laughs> no. Um, no, so I think he's getting a fresh chance, which is important. Um, you know, he needs that clean slate. Beal, I'm sure, will have had words with him in the background if there was some kind of attitude problem. And he'll have said, look, you know, I'm going to give you a go, but you've got to show you deserve it. Um, I think we've got to remember as well, the guy was out injured for a significant amount of time around that. Um, so, you know, when you say his attitude was bad, if it was, is he dossing about when he should have been training? Because I'm sure we've seen training clips of him putting in the yards whilst, yeah. you know, others were away on holiday. So, I, overall, I think with Lowry, he might have had a blip, right? He's a young lad. He might have had a slight attitude thing, but he's been slapped pretty hard by Gio. Beal's come in, giving him a clean slate. On the pitch, I don't think anyone doubts what Lowry can do. We know yeah. this guy is, you know, if he keeps his head down, screws the nut, he is a future first teamer for sure. Um, is he quite ready for a starting place yet? Debatable. Um, you know, I'd, you could cite the King example, but I think that's been forced rather than planned. Um, yeah. I would like to see him given a more kind of gradual lead in the team because I think in some senses it's maybe not been the best for King just from straight in but um, I think overall yeah yeah I mean his passing is incredible um, the guy's sheer class you know nobody can deny that but he is going to have up and down spells and that that's just part of being a youth coming into full time first team football so I'd like to see him phased in I think he's very much got a place in the team Starting some games, not others for this season. See where he goes. But it was just great to see him back, to be honest, mate. Yeah, that's something that I feel personally could really, really unlock this squad is as as a passer. We are we are missing somebody who can who can find that sort of you know threading the the ball through the eye of a needle type type thing. Pass. Steve Davis two years ago, isn't it? That's that exactly. No. That's that exactly. Missing something exactly like that. Um, Cubby, Gubs, uh, Cubby Cubster, sorry, Shug says here can't take much from a friendly, but was a good start. Well done, Michael Beale team. Well played. Let's get some pride back. I think um, the the third goal yesterday epitomised some of that that nice play. The aforementioned Alec Lowry had a had a deep run of he took the ball about forty yards maybe, um, which was really good to see somebody carrying the ball that that far. Um, but it's just something we're not accustomed to because the ball goes <laughs> back and forward around that, that horseshoe It's called shape. a horseshoe, Kyle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, find, he finds Lundstrom about 25 yards out. There's a wee interchange between between some of the players and then uh, Morelos with his with his arse back to go uh, threads a, a lovely, lovely pass for Arfield and, and you talked about it. He did miss a bit of a, a sitter a few minutes before that, but, but this was a really, really good... A good team goal. Um, Chuck, what, what was your thoughts on this goal? Uh, firstly, my thoughts is I can't wait to hear the back of the word horseshoe. Done <laughs> 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 my dinger in. Even at the World Cup, we're getting traumatised, mate. Traumatised. It's, it's, it's a new it's a new low block. That's it, horseshoe. It's a new <laughs> low block. I'm just still too old school. Yeah, yeah no, it was... A good goal and well worked goal. Uh, it's interesting to see Morelos with a regular haircut and looking back to regular Morelos. He uh, might even have shed a pound, uh, but yeah. he looked sharp in the second half. Uh, 
didn't obviously get much goal action. He had one good shot, I'm sure, from the edge of the box. Yeah, but his link-up play was really good, I thought. Uh, and to set up that goal uh, for Arfield, just put it on a plate for him. Uh, so it's another one that we're hoping that Moreiros and Kent under their old their old coach Michael Beale that they get that new lease of life uh, and we'll yeah. see them hopefully sign new contracts if they drop their wage demands a bit but if they can get back to form we know the assets they can be for us uh, and it's not too long ago that they were firing us to a European final and firing us to 55 so it's one of the other positive things that came out of yesterday but I'm going to, as much as I love Morelos, I'll, I'll hold my tongue on him because I'm sure when Gio came in, he came out with a slump and was absolutely firing and then went bad after his injury again. So it's a, it, was a, it was a good day and I think 3-0 was fair. I think we could have had five, six. I know Leverkusen aren't coming back anytime soon. They're not exactly, not exactly up for the game and it's... They were just playing as a kickabout, I think, but yeah, sure that we were capable of getting that amount of goals. Again, still quality players. Yeah, it bodes well for the burning on Thursday night. Yeah, that's it exactly. It's, hopefully, it does. I, I'll take a wee three 0 win um, at this at this stage already. Um, yeah, but can uh, I just look, add to that, Kyle? On you think, See, see that third goal. Do we even score that under you? Because. Everything, for as long as I can remember, like if we were two up, we'd have been sat back just doing nothing, just keeping the ball. It was good to see that kind of desire to keep going and to get that third goal. And I think sometimes we've missed that. A hundred percent. I think, I think that, believe it or not, I think that's the type of goal that Gio tried to score. Um, but we just didn't have the intensity or, and, and this, this will bring me on very, very nicely to, to my next question, Dave. Our group I'll, chat's going to explode if you're going where I think you're going. Oh, yeah. I'm hoping you're going there. I'm hoping. <laughs> right. Well, Dave, I'll stick with you on this because this, this is from the manager's comments. Right? And Michael Beale says, um, uh, you know, after the press conference, it was great. I, I'm not saying Gio wasn't honest or anything like that, but some of his press conferences were a bit a bit monotone, a bit a bit dull, a bit a bit stereotypical Dutch here. But um he says that, you know, he's trying out the new ideas, getting it from this friendly, um, and and possibly, you know, it was a distraction this just up until Thursday. But he said it was a different type of fitness to what we have right now. It got it yep. got people talking, so I'm I'm dying to know what what you think about this, and and <laughs> do you think there is something to it? Because if you're the manager of Rangers Football Club, you, you don't see a comment like that without without including the fitness. Given how we know how fit these guys under were under the previous regime, um, <laughs> so this could just be my old school head tears, but. I think it's all bollocks, mate. Um, I don't think there's a different kind of fitness. You you can have different intensity. You can, you know, apply that fitness in different ways. But fitness is fitness. You're either fit or you're not. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you're either built up or you're not. And I think that was probably Beal alluding to the fitness without flat out saying, ah, these guys weren't fit under Geo because, you know, that's going to be a bit of a knife in the back. 
given all the kind of stuff we've already had about him being in the director's box and that's mm-hmm. probably the last thing he's going to want to do. But to me, that just says in his eyes, he didn't feel that the players were fit enough to do what he wanted them to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, obviously that's something he's been working on in this close time between now and the friendly. I... <sighs> I've never heard of different kinds of fitness in here. Happy to be corrected. You know, I'm sure there's some sports scientist out there waiting to pull me up on it. But to me, I, I took that as Beale saying they weren't fit enough for what he wanted them to do, um, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's an interesting point. Um, and Shug, I can see you absolutely champing at the <laughs> back here. Just get him when we need him. Yes. <laughs> Uh, I, yes, oh, I do take the point. There is different be. kinds. There is different kinds of fitness. What's the fitness there where you can just run about at a constant pace for ninety minutes or whatever? And then there's art fitness where you've just got to constantly keep busting. And I guess that's when it comes into press and play. You've got to be able to race that fitness and then recover and go again, kind of thing. So I, I kind of know a wee bit about the fitness, but I think. It, in general, I think the majority of fans that have watched the games this year have said that we're not, we don't look as fit as what we had done. And I think Scott Arfield alluded to that they did more ball work in the summer in pre season than actual running. It wasn't the good old days of going and running nice the stadium. <laughs> it wasn't it that. So I think they alluded to it. I know Garvin sediment about the coaches and that stayed the same, but they didn't because it was. Geo brought in his own fitness coach to lead yeah. it. So I think some did say that in our chat that you can still do 40 hours of training a week and maybe under Gerard it was 12 of them were fitness, but maybe under Geo only 8 of them were fitness orientated kind of thing. So I think that's definitely what's happened. We've not been able to, you can still post numbers, but in general, can you post them numbers time and time again? Yeah, and I don't think I don't think that's what we focused on as much in preseason. I think it shows in games when we're not closing, we're not pressing to the very end. Um, the only problem is that I think with Beal saying about the fitness, he basically he can't fix it. Now it's something that's got to be done in preseason. You've got to lay that. You've got to have that base layer laid initially. You can't just build it halfway through the season. I think most of Beal's training between now and we know we're going into Christmas period so it's going to be busy so most of his training is going to be about tactics and things around that and player positions and things like that so it'll be next summer before we get the chance to actually see us get the old fitness workout again and I'm absolutely certain that Rangers will come back a fitter team next August than what they were this August <laughs> yeah there we go. Listen, um, I, I was up for uh, disagreeing with you there, but who, who am I to, to disagree with a Paralympic athlete? Aye. So I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll hold my hands up on that one and, and, and bow to your, your knowledge there. <laughs> I eat pizza, I know nothing about it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell my coaches. <laughs> Not at all. And and I've just seen this in the comments, just to swiftly change direction here. Um, James Strachan is asking if this is live now, just to confirm it is live. And hello all the way um, in Australia there, James. You can maybe perhaps catch one of our fellow podders out there, Stephen. I bet this is just Stephen's roommate and he's just <laughs> having, having a wind-up. But um, 
But uh, there we go. Um, looking, I'll, I'll start with you, Shug, on this because I thought this was quite another another interesting um, comment uh, in regards to in regards to fitness and injuries and, and coming back. Michael Beale in the post match press conference surprisingly said that he was expecting to have four options, not two at centre half. Um, expecting Ben Davies and, and, and Connor Golden to to be at least on the bench for this game. That's unbelievable. Great news, isn't it? Yeah, it's brilliant news, but hopefully it's managed properly. And I think he also alluded to the fact that he will be managing it properly because we've got a we've got a busy period coming up. So there's no point in bringing players in to get injured on Thursday night and be out for a long time again. So, I mean, that's personally why I think it will probably be King and Sons on Thursday night. Yeah. I don't think it's going to rush people back with the Christmas period, I think. I'd rather have Cora Goldson back for the Aberdeen game, uh, being fit and well. Uh, I think it's important that we manage these players through this time and make sure we get them back up to that level of fitness. So I'm sure, like the 55 season, we just didn't suffer injuries. And it's something that, again, I'll, I can go back to what's happened on the geo and the backroom stuff and things. And I don't know if that's Ross Wilson's job, since Ross Wilson's job isn't signing players. Ross Wilson's jobs to talk about Ross Wilson in the third person. <laughs> uh, I don't know what's happening with the medical team, but we don't seem we seem to have lost something. And I think Bill alluded to that himself about changes and things like that in the medical department. Uh, something that we're going to have to build back up again, uh, get back to where we were because the management of the players hasn't been right and there's no way we should be having the recurring injuries that we continuously get. Players going out for three weeks of turns into three months. Tom Lawrence being another example and things like that. So we've got a lot of good players to come back, so it could be an interesting couple of months ahead. January transfer window is going to be fantastic because we're going to have like seven new players <laughs> without actually signing anybody. So uh, yeah, no, it's really good to Looking see David. Looking forward to cheering Portia, son, Shug. Yeah, I'm not even <laughs> going to get started on Ryan Portia. <laughs> uh, we don't need a sixth-choice centre-half at Randall. <laughs> uh, even with five injuries, he'd still struggle to get a game. Uh, but yeah, arguably, Goldson and Davis are our first-choice centre-halves. So the fact that they're close to coming back is good. And I would certainly love to have them two lining up on the 2nd of January. No, that that's that exactly. I'll just uh, scrub out uh, Shug Ryan Portis question mark here. That's the last I'm <laughs> podcast done because he just summed that up nicely there for us. Um, <laughs> but I, th- I thought I thought Ross was morphing. Uh, sorry, Shug was was morphing into Ross Wilson there at one point when he was giving us the seven players will be back, like seven new signings injury patter. Um, but uh, there we go. Look, uh, my next question, Dave. I'll come on to you for this one. I thought it was really nice seeing. Uh, Leon King and Adam Devine um, getting sent out to do the post-match interviews. Um, if, I thought it was really interesting hearing hearing Leon King talking about um, Robbie Fraser in particular and saying, you know, it was very good to see him coming on and he's got the mentality and he's been doing well on the B um, squad, uh, the B team, sorry. And that means, you know, I'm glad to see that King's very much in that first-team player mentality. If he's saying that, which is good to see. And Adam Devine as well just talked about about the intensity. Um, uh, and everybody in training and, every, and another thing he said was that everybody's fighting for a position, something that I've learned that the team under Geo was a, 
it didn't matter how bad you played, you were always going to retain your place. What's your thoughts on, on two young guys hitting out with, with, with quite encouraging comments? I think it's really good. Um, that sort of thing, I mean, yes, you know, it'll be worked on and how to deal with the press and whatnot. It'll be worked on since they came into the first team. But it's quite clear that even, you know, at a youth level, those are the same sort of standards that they're expected to maintain and notice. Um, I think King very much is a first-team player now, um, through necessity, in fairness. Um, but he is very much seen as a first-team player. For me, Devine's a bit of a strange one. Um, he should be a first-team player. In theory, he's Tav's backup, but yet we just yeah. never seem to see him. Um, yeah. Even when there was the whole debate, you know, was Tav in form or injured or a bit of both? Or sorry, off form or injured? Um, you know, we never really saw anything in Divine, so it's a bit of a strange one. But he's obviously got that mentality. And I don't think he did himself any harm yesterday. I know it was only a friendly again, but he didn't look terrible. Um, yeah. And given that was out of position, that's a really good thing. You would hope sort of from the player's side of things, you would hope everyone is aware they're fighting for their place. Um, again, you hit the nail on the head when you said, you know, before it didn't matter how badly you played. <laughs> you knew three quarters of the team were going to be the same the next time. Yeah. And that was a mixture of injuries and the manager, I think, to be fair. Um, it's easy to say it was just injuries, but, you know, there was some that actually wasn't necessarily just injuries. I think right wing, for example, you know, Scott Wright went for a bit of a poor patch and yet we knew he was going to keep starting because he didn't like Sakala, even though yeah. he was fit and available. So, you know, it's a mix of the two. I think all the players should be fighting for their place and that shouldn't just be because a new manager's come in, that should be every bloody game. Um, you know, the, nobody should be guaranteed to start and that's from Kent through to Tav, through to the young lads, you know, they they have to believe as well, I think, that there is a place for them. You know, it's it's a lot easier to motivate yourself if you think, right, if I do a really good job and they have a couple of poor games, I'm going to get that role and I'm going to get a chance to stake my climb. Whereas if you're sat there like, poor Divine must have been, I'll go back to him again because he's quite an obvious case of it. And he must have been sat there thinking, what the hell do I need to do to get a game at times, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I think really encouraging. It speaks of the kind of one club approach that we heard a bit about last, you know, before the World Cup um, and can only be a sign of good things to come. Yeah, no, that's that exactly. It's, I, I was, um, the guy that sits next to us at, at Ibrooks, he he works for, you know, the, the, you know, the Scottish schools developments and, and stuff like aye, that. Aye. And he said that he did work briefly with Adam Devine and that he was a he was a good a good player. I can't remember what game he came on and made his debut in, but he was he was rotten and I was like aye. don't know about this. But Cup game was it not? Yeah. I remember now because I remember the game because I was the same as you. I just thought Jesus this guy's not exactly great is he but yeah you don't but... want to slate a youth but at the same time he didn't look great, but I thought yesterday he'd done all right, yeah. Yeah, no, he's he's really really come on. He's impressed me in the the Queen of the South game as well. He impressed me yesterday I, again. I know they're not full intense games, but the fact that he, he didn't particularly look out a massive amount of place when, as you said, he, he was out of position. 
But um, yeah, the, great to see two young guys getting game time and and and, and uh, thriving in uh, Ibrooks. To be honest, um, look. So the next part of the podcast, Shug, I'll, I'll come to you in this one. I don't know how I've sort of. Um, well, I'm going to say how to how to sort of do this, but I'm talking about the sort of winners and losers within. I was going to say Bill Ball, but I don't want another text off Tommy again. So um, <laughs> I'll say I'll say um, under sort of uh, Bill style of play. There's there's some players here that I think will will not fit into it. I think there's some players here that will that will be winners coming out of it, and there's some that have no idea. Um, you know, everybody, let us know in the comments who you think will be the sort of winners and losers of, of Bill's style of play. Shug, I'm going to give you the, the four that I think will be the winners. Tillman, Kamara, Tav and Kent are the four players that I think we will see make massive improvements under Bill. Do you agree or do you disagree? I agree with them all. Kent's only one I question because... Uh... He's just been so out of form. I don't know if it's... He looked a bit better yesterday, so I don't know if it's changing position or different styles going to suit him more, but he's just been so out of form with everything, mm-hmm. apart from one crosses. He's, he doesn't seem to be able to beat a man. Doesn't seem, so I don't know. Maybe it'll be a mind frame thing. Maybe it'll be a different mindset that he'll be in when he comes back, but he really has to... If he puts in the performances that he's been putting in so far, I don't think it matters what position he plays in, he's not really going to offer much, but I mm-hmm. guess Michael Beale's maybe the right man to get it out of him. Yeah. Yeah. So I can see him being better, and I would throw I would throw Bonner into a winner as well. Yeah. That- I think so. I think, <laughs> I, I think he wins under Beale because I think Purely, not that I'm saying he's going to be the best defender in the world ever, but we all know what Bonner's strengths were, and that was getting forward and putting crosses in. And it appears that from yesterday watching Tav, Bale's going to go down the same route as Gerard in that mind, and we're going to see Bonner going forward, especially when we've got the Jacamara back. Yeah. The midfielder, <laughs> so that'll be the cover for to that Tav getting forward and that Bonner get forward, and I think that's we are born a stance lies. Remember, we we're always talking, he was in competition with somebody, never revealed who it was about them, who got the most assists. So, I don't know. Yeah. It's just a wee outside bit, but that would maybe just be because he's going to be a World Cup winner. So, kind <laughs> <laughs> of be a World Cup winner, no, get success off it. Listen, it, it would it would literally be the most Rangers thing ever if Borna went over, won the World Cup, came back, and we played Yelmaz every game over the top of them. So, um, but that's interesting because I, I I think that uh, that uh, that Yelmaz will will perhaps be a be a winner within within Bill's system. But uh, Dave, I'll, I'll come on to you here. I've got four names that I've written down as the the losers, um, so to speak. In it, um, for Hill is kind of beat me yeah, to one yeah. as well. Cholak is one I think has the potential not to fit into this this Bill system. Um, Lundstrom was another one. I think I, I, I can't remember who it was. Was it you, Dave, that said at the start of the pod that you were surprised that that um, Lundstrom didn't start? I was the same. Um, and the other two that I've put down are, are Davies and Arfield. What do you feel about those guys? Do you think they won't quite fit into a Bill system, or do you think it's just a bad thing? I think Davies probably is. Time up in the season. 
Um, I think our field, uh, I don't know, it's a tough one. I think he can offer something as very much a backup, you know, one that comes on for the last kind of 20, 30 minutes. But obviously, you've got to factor in the wage demands there and what, you know, what he's taken out of the club financially. If it's not too much, I think our field could still give something in limited spells. Um, Davies, no cola or Chulak, sorry, I think is going to be the biggest loser um, out of it. What you said's bang on. I just don't think he necessarily fits the Beal system. I think he got a bit of hero worship from a lot of fans because obviously he had that goal scoring run. Um, Mm-hmm. I actually think, and I'm sort of nicking Shug's question here, even though he's already answered it. But I actually think Morelos is a potential winner as well. Yeah. Um, just because thinking back to the last time, and again, you know, we saw patches of it. Yes, yes, in that game. Um, I think potentially the way he plays Beal isn't so much you know an out and out number nine that's going to bang in the goals you know he wants that attacking threat coming from everywhere and the one thing that I think most people do agree on is obviously Morelos is a lot better holding up the ball than Cholak mm. um, so it's a really tough one because I mean Morelos has done himself zero favours this season I think we can all agree that um, his attitude's been rotten his games that he's had a chance he's been pretty rotten for the majority of it um but i do think there's a way for him to turn it around and i think potentially he ends up being a winner over cholak um who was the fourth one you said sorry uh i had cholak lundstrom davies in our field yeah potentially lundstrom um I think Kamara is the obvious winner. You know, you hit the nail on the head there. Um, I suppose it's who plays with Kamara. Again, I think it would come down to finance, a bit like Arfield. I think Lundstrom's maybe got a role. Um, you know, we're talking about Jack, and that's fine, but historically, Jack hasn't been able to put together long runs of games. So. You know, you need those options, but then you can't have someone on 35, 40k a week that's going to fill in when Jack can't play. So I think potentially those two may lose, but may not. I think the other two, Ford Davies and Cholak, I think big time are going to lose. Yeah, as we've we've got we've got Terry Monroe. He's been making some some interesting comments over over in on, on Facebook. Um, he's been talking about Cholak would would love to be playing up front. You know, given that if we're swinging balls in from the fullbacks and um, saying here he's already got next season in mind with Cholak Tillman and uh, a free low for for Lowry. Um, Shug, what what do you think about that about about Cholak and that system? Do you think that he will fit into that system? I think it'll be just a uh, I'll wait and see because I think a lot of the the fans' attitude against Morelos is is totally flipped from where it was sort of six months ago, just because his the way that he's been and that he's not really been firing on all cylinders this season. Morelos has not been, but would you bet your house on him not? This is going up on Thursday night this and absolutely it. buttering Porteous. Yeah. <laughs> 
battering all the Porteous lovers and scoring the winner against Tibbs. You just don't know what Morelos is going to show up. I think we'll cash in on him if we can, but Cholak, he should he should offer more of that threat going forward if we are going to be swinging these balls in. If we're going to get back to the 73 crosses. But <laughs> I had the 73 crosses and he didn't show up. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that's a role that yeah, Pillman's got breaking beyond the front man, and he's going to be the one in winning the crosses because well, it was Tillman that benefited just only from Tav's cross. So mm. uh, there's a few different ways it could play out. Yeah, oh, uh, I, I don't. I love Morelos, but if Cholak's going to continue banging the goals in the Beal system, I think he hasn't Cholak. been, has he? But yeah, yeah. He, he had that run, and now he's. Cholak's been quiet for a long time. He's not been banging in the goals. Oh, we all thought he was going to be CI goalman this season, but he looks like he's going to struggle to get 20 the way he's been playing. So I think a lot's going to fall into place over Christmas and New Year. I think it's going to be good having a lot of games in that time. I think a lot of people will get their chance. I yeah. think I'll never give up on the league until it's totally mathematically impossible, but I think there will be an eye on next season. Mm-hmm. I think you do sit down with Ryan Kenton, Alfredo Morelos over this time and mm-hmm. you find out where their heads are and if their heads are elsewhere, they don't play. You just say cheery bye if you can get any money for them in January, on you go. Um, and you do look towards next season and giving Lowry a chance. I think Lowry might suffer because of Tillman because I think they operate a similar sort of role and their, mm-hmm. their midfielders that want to get beyond and get forward. So, and you've got Lawrence the, to throw into that as well, yeah, haven't you? Lawrence, back. So that, well, that could see a back again. Eh, Lawrence fitting in that left side. Eh, so there's, there's a few players Lowry's got ahead of him. Mm. But again, I would hope Michael Beale doesn't respect the Diddy teams and we don't play Jack Amara against the Diddy teams and we play a Lowry beside mm. Kamara or a Lowry beside Jack or a Lowry beside Lundstrom. Uh, or drop Tillman that wee bit deeper as we've seen in a couple of games. Uh, it's 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 an interesting time. It's it's a it's a what oh, I say it's a good time to be a Rangers fan. Uh, being a, getting a new manager, it's not something that we get a lot of historically. Uh, so it'll be interesting. We've all got our pre ideas about Beal from his time as Gerard's brains, basically. But he's already shown that he's going to operate a bit different, and we'll wait and see. But he's certainly wise enough to treat. I just want him to treat yeah. Debbie clubs like Debbie clubs and go out and beat them. I think there's something to be said between somewhere between the Mark Warburton and the Geo. Well, Warburton was Plan A, Plan B, do Plan A better, <laughs> and then the Geo twinker in every single game. Because let's mm-hmm. face it, in Scotland. We play against 10 Derby teams. And then we've got Hearts to play as well. Uh, so, you want to just go out and just put your footprint down and say, this is the way well we smooth, eh? And you adapt to us. Uh, whereas in Europe, you need to change it a wee bit. So, there's middle ground to be found. I believe Beale's that man to do that. 
I know. I, there we go. Something that I didn't know was possible in a podcast was fishing, but you've you've done it quite well there, Shag. I hope I hope you catch a couple, all right? Um, but uh, like the last the last major point of the of the podcast that I'd like to talk. Um, I, I'll come to you uh, on this, Dave, because there's been it's near January. Um, there's already been a few rumours flying out there. We already know Shug's thoughts on one of them. I'll just absolutely nail my colours to the mast straight away as well and say that Ryan Portis should not be anywhere near Rangers Football Club. Just, let's call them antics, but it'd be an insult to call them antics. Just some of his yeah. completely unacceptable off-field behaviour, his attitude. I'll give you a minute to talk about Ryan Portis positively. I don't need a minute, mate. Um, forget, forget his football and abilities. He's a bloody Ned. You don't need the trouble, you know. There's, you've got folk in the comments here talking about Morelos's attitude, and you know, fully agree. Sometimes it can come across really stinking. Um, like, why would you bring someone like Porteous to either old firm team? To be honest, it's just a recipe for disaster. The guy is an idiot. He's never going to change, from what I can tell. You know, this isn't the first time it's happened. It's not a new thing for him. He just keeps making the mistakes, and I think. Before you even get to his football inability, you need to look at the character. And a hard no for me. Yeah, totally agree. Um, look, we'll look at a couple other players that, that I think might be worth discussing. Um, I, I, again, I was out my walk with, with Craig today and I was saying that there's nobody really in the SPFL that I think that, that, that would come in and, and improve the squad. Um, and then the more and more I thought about it, there was maybe there was two names that I could think of, Dave, and that's Keanu Bacchus, um, who was obviously with Australia, got picked from St Mirren to be part of the, the Australia squad. I don't know if it's just because he went to the World Cup, you know, he's, he's a bit more, his name's out there a bit more. Um, another one is, is a guy I know that, that certainly sometimes discussed in our our podcast um, group chat is, is Cammy Devlin of Hearts. Is this two guys, are these people that you think we should be looking at? Is it too many central midfielders? Or See, it's a really tough one because, um, you know, you, you can sit and talk down Scottish players and a lot of people will. And, oh, no, you know, they're nowhere near good enough for us. But I think one thing you've got to remember for a start, the, these guys are playing in lesser squads in the main, other than Hearts, as Shug said. Um, you know, so you can't really fully judge them. We've seen a few examples now of players, uh, so Doig, Ferguson, both gone over to Serie A, playing. Yeah. You know, they're not just making up the numbers, they are playing. Are we really going to sit there and say, you know, none of these players would have got a game for us if they'd come? The other factor that I think you've got to take in there is obviously the European squads. We need a certain amount of homegrown talent. We need a certain amount of Scottish talent. So, you know, you do need some of them. Um, the two that you've mentioned, I'm not convinced um, so much with the boy from St Mirren. Uh, I think, you know, if it hadn't been for the World Cup, I'm not all that convinced many folk would be talking about him. Devlin, it's hard to say. I mean, I've just literally sat here and talked about folks' attitude to players from Scottish teams. But, you know, <laughs> he's, he's, he had a stupid moment against us, but other than that, he he almost reminds me like a Greg Docherty type player. You know, I think he gives a lot. 
I just don't know if he's really fully got the ability to blossom in our squad or not. Um, I suppose the only way you know is trying. Um, so, you know, there's probably an element of that. Devlin, I think if I had to pick one of the two, I'd say Devlin. But I do think still, as you say, you know, there's, we're not exactly sure central midfielders at the same time either. So, you know, there's the potential other positions we could look at rather than centre mid. Yeah, I, yeah, totally agree as well. It's just I was trying to think of like you know that way where there's always there's always somebody like in in the league that, that Rangers are kind of linked with, but there's just there doesn't seem to be. Boy from Ross County last season, wasn't it? I think he went down England in the end. The striker, Charles Reagan Cook. That's him. Yeah, it's, did he not go down south? I'm not. I'm not, I thought he went to something like Belgium or Turkey, I or Belgium or something like that. There we go. Nobody knows. <laughs> um, but, it's fine, all three of the Willock brothers. There you go. <laughs> um, well, that's it as well. That's you know, I'm just about to come on to this. Shug, I'll, I'll, I'll leave this sort of final point to you in this. Um, was you know, there's a, there's a few Doogie said here, there's a whole world out there, not just the SP, uh, SPFL. I was just trying to focus on, on, on Scotland, just seeing as that's that's a market that we that Michael Beals mentioned that we need to go into in terms of homegrown players, etc. But I've seen a, a few names here, I've seen like Malinkovic Savic, I think he's at Lazio, um, at the moment, I think he would be a wee bit too outside our price range. Jorgensen, I'll hold my hands up there. I'll say I, I don't know anything about him. But that Willock, uh, one of the Willock brothers, um, that seems quite interesting. What do you think? Do you think there's we might take some players from QPR or something like that? Or is there anybody that you can think of or you would like to see joining the club in January? I've got uh, the problem with Scottish players is you get the, the Rangers tax and they automatically double in price. And I've got a feeling with QPR we'll get the bill tax on it. Uh, and anything reasonable will be doubled in price uh, rather than selling to Michael Beale because I don't think it, w- it was the most pleasant uh, exit. <laughs> uh, they took that well, didn't they? <laughs> uh, so I don't really see him going back and getting anybody from QPR. Uh, I don't see he's paying much money. I'm not... I generally think that it's going to be huge overhaul of the squad and for the first time since probably when Gerard arrived yeah, when you consider the amount of players out of contract and age-wise and things and I'd say the earlier in the season it's a bit ironic that Kami Devlin wears the 14 shot Ryan Kent's supposed to yeah. be going yeah, and then we say oh, but we've got too much midfielders and we have but then if Davis goes Arfield goes Glenn Kamara decides he wants to go Suddenly, Ryan Jack consistently injured. Suddenly, you know, get any central midfielders. Uh, but I take everybody's point. There's a whole world out there, and I would like to think there's players that we don't even know of, all the players that we're looking at. Uh, it was interesting at that watching that Holland game. The guy that's became the Holland number one, Nopper, he's at Heronveen and won his first cap at the World Cup, and he looks a good enough keeper. I'd like to hope that we've been keeping tabs on. We won't get no up now. He'll go to the Premier League for a hundred million or something stupid now, just because he's a hole in number one. But I would like to hope that we are getting these players before that on the general public radar. Yeah, I do believe that's what. Maybe it's maybe nothing to do with Ross Wilson. Apparently, he does nothing. Yeah, nothing's his responsibility. Player. 
everybody, trading model everything, works, doesn't it? Yeah, everything says responsible. I think he's responsible for selling Calvin Barty, but he's not responsible for bringing anybody else in <laughs> or something. I don't know. The good things is Russ Wilson. The yeah, bad things yeah. are nothing to do with him. That sort of thing. But he got John Park in to lead the scouting team and all that. I would like to hope that we are out there looking for players that we can build on. We need a new yeah. goalkeeper. It's a priority. I'd love to get a new yeah. goalkeeper in January. 100%. I would love to see a new goalkeeper in January. Uh, how Michael Beale's going to play? <laughs> We've been crying out for a right winger for years. Yeah. <laughs> then we sign Robbie Montondo and find out that he played on the left wing consistently. <laughs> yeah. um, these are the thought I, I don't know what that's and stuff to look at. But Beale's uh, going to have to identify. And I think there probably has been once during the World Cup with players to find out where their heads are at and if they're going to be here next season. And I'll throw in my football manager reference when you've got your squad planner for this season and next season. I'd hope that Beale's got a wee professional one of those and he can look at the positions that we're really going to have to fill because, yeah, the figures were great at the AGM and we're going to make profit again this year with the Barsi sale and Aribo and the Champions League money and probably the most of all from the Champions League tickets. Uh, I think a club made about 100 million off the price of the tickets, but uh, it's it's going to be interesting. And like I say, my biggest hope is that we sign somebody that I've never heard of that turns into the next Calvin Barsi or something and rips it up uh, because there are players out there. And if St. Marin can sign players that go to the World Cup, then we must be all over that sort of thing. So. Yeah, it'll be an interesting month ahead, so I look forward to it and hopefully we won't just get the same rumours. Nicholas not asking, get him signed or get it in the bin. Mm-hmm. We've been hearing rumours, I hate rumours, the same rumours going on for it. It's just cheap media clickbait. Just the same players consistently that's, linked. That's half the thing with Borteus, isn't it? It's just an easy, lazy link to make because mm-hmm. we need... You know, depth in that area because obviously, you know, it's like Hollander and that, it always yeah. out injured. Davis, you know, jury's out on how sort of reliable he is. So it's an easy, lazy link. But realistically, has anyone within Rangers actually said they're interested in Boreas? I'd be surprised. I think the only thing that ever came was Jim Duffy saying that Clyde Super Scope ah, like, ah, yeah, and ah. the Scottish media decided you, that that gospel. You, I mean, you look at it, right? Beale's got the guys wearing suits because of, you know, expectations and standards. But he's going to go and sign Ryan fucking Borties. <laughs> Don't think so. Yeah. I'm not doing any more importance. He's a yeah. boring enough in my, my time. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel about it as well. I think that's, um, um, I was going to say we'll end it there, but we can't end it there. Um, I was going to say, Shug, speaking of easy links and stuff like that, what's your thoughts on Billy Gilmore potentially joining Rangers then? Eh? I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. I wouldn't put you through that, all right? I think uh, I think we've, even though despite despite my lateness due to not being able to log on, but uh, we've gone well over there earlier. That's been a really, really good discussion um the next podcast will get brought to you on that'll be wednesday evening um i'm sure there'll probably be a, a post-match reaction following the, the hibs game on on thursday evening as well um but listen it's been really really good um actually talking to you dave for on on screen for once hi it's been a pleasure Kyle. thanks for having me on 
Yeah, and, and nice to see you back, Shug, after your, your hiatus. I know, it's good to be back just in time for the real stuff starting, like I say. So, yeah, looking forward to freezing my ass off on Thursday night, but hopefully yeah. it'll be fun and games. That's it. Um, if, if some plonker had knew that the that, that Hibs were playing on, uh, Rangers were playing Hibs on Thursday night, he definitely wouldn't have booked a holiday away. But uh, So he'll, he'll be away for this one, but I'll be watching from afar um, and I hope Rangers win. But listen, take care everybody. Thanks for joining, thanks for watching and thanks for interacting as always. All right, see you later guys. Oh, yeah.